My name is Chris Bryant. I've been jumping things since I was eight years old. Ever since I started jumping cars, people have asked me why. Nobody asked LeBron James why he dunks the way he does. Nobody asked Lance Armstrong why he rode up all those mountains. You know what I'm going to say the next time someone asks me why I do what I do? Why don't you? <laughs> Why don't you? That's a good question. Does anybody here think you can jump over a car like that? No, I was going to. If anybody says yes, I would love to see that. But like, don't do it at church. Do it somewhere else and show me a video later. Because I don't, I don't want to see that here. So he asked that question there. He says, why don't you? And that's, that's a great question. That's actually a question we're going to look at tonight as we get back into the book of James. Because as we get back into the book of James... James starts to ask us that question tonight. As Chloe was praying, she said something about being hearers and doers of the Word, and that's exactly what James is talking about in chapter 1. But before we get too far into that, I want to ask you to write something down. If you've got a phone, you can pull it out and use your notes app and do it that way. Or if you've got a notebook, you can write it down in there. If you don't, there's these yellow cards. You can flip that over, use the back. And in the back of a lot of these seats, at least one per row, there's some pins in there. So find one of those. But here's what I want you to write down. Over the last eight weeks, I want you to write down how many times you have sat in a service or you've heard preaching or you've been in a Bible study or you've been, somehow you've heard the Word of God in your life, okay? Over the last eight weeks, and I know for some of you that math is like, it's just hurting right now, but let me make it easy for you. If you've attended Sunday morning service, Sunday nights when we meet in here, and you've attended Wednesday nights over the last eight weeks, eight times three is what? 24, okay. So if you've come to all of them, you've been to a 24. If you've done more than that, your number's going to be higher. If you've done less than that, just do the math. Eight times whatever per week. Write down how many times that you've heard God's Word preached, taught in some way over the last eight weeks. Once you've written down that number, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down three things you remember. Exactly. If you've been in church one time, Write down one thing if that's all you can remember. But if you've been in church 20, 22, 24 times in the last eight weeks or heard God's Word preached or taught in the last eight weeks, write down three things you remember. That's it. That's all I'm asking. Three things you remember. Take a minute and think about that. I, I love the fact that some of you are like going to town writing right now. And some of you are sitting there going... Trying to figure out what you remember. Anybody want to share one thing you remember over the last eight weeks? Something you've heard? What you got, Clayton? Okay, if you've got two of something, share it with somebody that doesn't have it at all, okay? Yeah, that's a principle. We, we see that in Scripture. Who else? Anybody got something? One thing. I'm not asking you to share all three. Just one. Say that again. Okay, don't give it to them and expect something back. You're just supposed to just give it to them and take care of them, provide for them. What else? What's that? I can't hear you. I was going to say, you guys speak up. You know you can speak up in this room, okay? To be kind, okay? Anybody else? Brenton. 
Faith without works is dead. Okay? Anybody else? Megan? Say that again. Sexual immorality in the church. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that. We've, we've looked through that. Anybody else? What you got, Kennison? Okay, some things are no for now, but not forever. Those are some good things. And here's what I love about what I just heard. A lot of those things that were shared, those weren't even things we talked about in here. So that tells me you're, you're listening in here, but you're also listening in other places when you hear the Word of God. The reason I asked you to do that is because a lot of times, and maybe some of you had this experience right here, right now. A lot of times you'll go to church or you'll sit in a service and you'll listen. And the moment you walk out the door, everything just kind of went right over your head. You, you heard the Word of God and, and maybe you were paying attention and you were looking at the preacher and, and you were tuned into what that Bible study leader was telling you. But when you walk out the door, all of a sudden everything that you heard now has absolutely no impact on your life. And, and part of the reason we have a problem with that is because we don't remember the things that we hear and it's because we don't actively listen. You guys have heard of active listening before? Yes, some of you are looking at me right now. You have no idea because you're not doing it. You've just got a blank stare going on. Active listening means when you hear something, you take notes. It means you write it down. It means you take part in what's going on. You engage in what's happening. And what happens is we sit in churches, we sit in Bible studies, and we let people talk at us, but we never engage in what we're actually hearing and what's going on. This guy, he's jumping over cars. I, I did a little more research on him. His name is Chris Bryant. And he started in middle school. Somebody dared him in school to jump over a stack of chairs. And he realized he could do it, so they just kept adding more and more chairs. And over time, he started jumping over other things. And he ended up, somebody dared him one day after a basketball game to jump over a car. And he did it. And he figured out he was good at it. I mean, so good, it got him a Nike commercial. But his question at the end, later, his question at the end, when, people, when he said, next time somebody asked me, why do you do that? Why do you do that? He's just going to look at him and say, why don't you? And that should be our response if we say we're a disciple of Jesus. Our lives should be something that, that draws other people's attention. The things that we say, the things that we do, the way that we act should draw the attention of other people around us and, and they should ask, what, why do you do that? And we have the opportunity to ask, why don't you? And sometimes that question, or that, uh, question has an easy answer. It's because they don't know Christ. And we have the opportunity to share it with them. But the question I have for you tonight, we're not talking about people outside the church, we're talking about everybody in this room. The question we're going to walk through tonight is we're going to see several of those why don't you questions as we walk through this passage in James. We're going to be in James chapter 1. We're going to start in verse, excuse me, verse 19. But before I ask you to stand while we read through that scripture, I'm going to ask you the questions. Who wrote the book of James? James. And what's the significance? Who is James? He's the brother of Jesus, okay? When do we believe it was written? 40 to 45 A.D., somewhere in the mid-40s A.D. Who do we believe this book was written to? Jewish Christians and house churches. Remember, he's writing to the persecuted Christians, the, the Christians that belonged to the dispersion, which means Christians were being persecuted, so they scattered. And as they scattered, the gospel of Jesus spread with them, and they started house churches, and they met in secret because of that persecution. When, excuse me, why do we believe it was written? What was he trying to do? To encourage them to live out their faith. I ask you guys these questions every single week because it matters when we're studying Scripture to understand what the author intended. 
what was going on. Why did he write this book to these believers so that we have an idea of what happened then and what that means for us now? So we're going to be in James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. If you would please read or stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. I'm having trouble getting my words out tonight. Y'all have to bear with me. James chapter 1, verse 19 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Let's pray. God, thank you that we have the opportunity to be here tonight, Lord. Thank you that we can spend time together, God. We can look at your word and see how it applies to our life. And Lord, I just pray that as we walk through this tonight, God, I pray that you'll help every one of us to learn from this. But I also pray that you'll help us not just to hear this tonight, God, but to actually do something with what we encounter tonight in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. So the first why don't you question is this that we see in this passage. It's why don't you just listen. Look at what he says here again in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Why don't you just listen? Have you ever been in a conversation with a person? And as you're in that conversation, you can tell very quickly that that person is not listening to you whatsoever. Like as you're speaking, you can actually see them. That maybe they're actually physically fidgeting a little bit because they, they want to talk, they got to get their words out, or every time you open your mouth and you get like two words of your sentence out, they start walking all over your sentences and start talking over you anyway. I, I believe a lot of us have this problem at times. Um, I actually did this to Miss Kathleen today. I called her on the phone and I said, hey, I want to get your opinion on something. And as soon as she started talking, she got about four words in and I would start talking again. Because I'm, I'm, yeah, I agree with that, and started talking. And, and I, she would stop, and I'd say, no, no, go ahead, I want to hear what you have to say. And she'd start talking again, and then I'd start talking again. And she finally said, why don't you just go ahead and tell me what you've thought through, and then I can give you my opinion on it. And, and we got a conversation going then. But, but we all do that, because we want somebody to hear what we have to say. You just went to Disney Plus there for us, okay? Well, that's true though. We, we all get to that point where you're excited about something or you really want to communicate something and as somebody's talking to you, you just can't wait to get your words out. You want to be heard. You want to be understood. And yet, when we look at this passage right here, the very first thing he says in verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. There's a, a saying that my grandparents used to say to me. It says, God gave you two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you talk. And, and that's true. Because when we're anxious to speak, what happens a lot of times is we are so concerned with getting out what we want to say and what we think 
that we run right over other people's words. And in that process, a lot of times, we miss the truth that they may be trying to speak into our lives. Even if it's somebody we think, you know what, they're just mad, they're just angry, they're just ranting, they don't have anything worth listening to. Let me give you a little piece of advice here. Anytime somebody's mad at you or irritated about something, even if they're just ranting at you, you can still listen and hear there's a small piece of truth in there somewhere. There's something that helps you get to the root of what's really going on and what's really bothering them. And you need to remember that too. Whenever you're ranting, whenever you're going off on somebody, there's something below the surface that's actually causing that to happen. But when we are so fast to speak and run over somebody's words and so slow to listen, what happens is we miss that little piece of truth. And and that's what happens sometimes when we sit in church. We hear the Word of God and we fail to listen. Maybe we're not talking with our mouths. Sometimes we are. Some of y'all are doing that right now but we're talking with our thumbs or our minds are a hundred miles away from what's actually going on right here and right now and we miss the truth of what we're supposed to pick up from the Word of God. And when we get angry, when we get mad, when we speak and we don't listen, it, it, it impacts our lives. I had a group of guys, some of you um, here recently, last summer we took a group on a mission trip to a place called Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters in, in North Carolina. And we just took our, our young adults and our, our high school seniors there as well. And there was a couple years ago at a previous church, we had a group there for summer camp. And the way they do camp there is they have college leaders who come in and help lead small group Bible studies with your group. So I had a group of high school guys, and we had one college leader from the camp that was working with them all week. And Wednesday, we were there Monday through Friday, Wednesday, About halfway through the week, they were in their small group one night before bed. And through course of conversation, come to find out, two of the high school guys in our group had girlfriends that they thought were pretty serious back at home. And as they got through this conversation, that college leader began to challenge them because he asked them about their relationships with their girlfriends and how that was going and how their relationship with God was. And and before the end of that small group, he suggested to them, that the girls that they were dating may not be the best thing for their lives and their relationship with God. And he actually suggested to them that they might need to break up with their girlfriends when they get back home. How do you think those two guys reacted? Oh, they were mad. They were ticked. I mean, they, they came out of that small group. They came back to the cabin. I mean, they were just, oh, they were saying, oh, I, I, they, were, they were being ugly. They weren't being like bad ugly, but they were being ugly. And they were so mad because this guy, who they said barely knew him, or barely knew either one of them, didn't know the girls they were talking about, told them that they needed to break up with their girlfriends. And you know what the funny thing is, though? Because they got so mad that night, they didn't hear anything else the rest of the week. Two and a half, three more days that we were there. Multiple times that we were under the teaching of the Word of God. Multiple opportunities to let them grow and to engage with what God was doing that week and they did not hear one single word of it. You know why? Because they were busy defending themselves and they were too busy being angry about what they didn't like. Now, ironically, a couple months later after we went home, both of those guys broke up with those girls because they realized that that college leader was right. See, When we will stop and we will slow down and we will close our mouths, we will hear the truth of what God's Word has to say to us. And we will hear what it is that He wants to speak into our lives. 
But when we are quick to speak, we get angry. And our anger, as it talks about right here, our anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Most of the times when we get angry, when I get angry, when you get angry, it's not because we're mad about something that God's mad about. It's because our pride has been hurt. It's because somebody has inconvenienced me. It's because somebody's inconvenienced you and you get frustrated, you get mad, or you get mad at yourself like you're doing bad in the game and you say, oh, I can't believe I did something. And you start acting like that. But Scripture tells us when we get angry that that doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Very rarely, I'm not saying it never happens, but very rarely when we get angry, are we outraged about something that outrages God. Very rarely. Most of the time, we're angry because of us. Now, there is a righteous anger, and we see examples. We see Jesus in Scripture as He's going into Jerusalem, walks into the temple, sees all the money changers, sees the people that has taken the house of God and turned it into something it's not supposed to be, and Jesus goes and gets a whip. Jesus drives people out of the temple. We see righteous anger there because it's something that angers God. But that's not the way most of our anger works. Most of our anger has to do with us, not God. But Scripture tells us when God is working in our lives through the Holy Spirit, it tells us in Galatians 5 that there's some things that start to happen in our lives. We start to see what they call the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. See, when God works in our life, when the Holy Spirit is doing what the Holy Spirit is going to do, when we are slow to speak and quick to hear, God works in our life. And God begins to change us and give us, not on our own ability, but in His ability to hold our anger and to look for the things that honor Him instead of the things that dishonor you and me. And then it goes on here, and it says in verse 21, it says we are to put away all or put off all filthiness and wickedness. The picture here is like taking off dirty clothes. For any of you that have ever ever played a sport and it's been just a, a nasty, rainy, muddy day, or maybe you've gone outside and you've had to mow the yard or wash the dog or done something that just got, or maybe you just went out and played in a mud puddle. I don't know. But it just got you filthy. And you come home and you're nasty and dirty and smelly. One of the best feelings in the world is to get those clothes off of you to get cleaned up and to put on fresh, clean clothes. That, that's the imagery that, that James is using here. He's talking about the, the filthiness, the, the wickedness. We've got to put it off. We've got to take it off like we get those dirty clothes off of us because we don't want them on us anymore. We want to be cleaned up. And he says right there, if, if it's going to go off, something else has to take its place. And what he says takes its place is the implanted Word of God. That's, that's Scripture, ladies and gentlemen. That's taking God's Word and that's putting it in your life. If you're putting off something, if you're putting away something, that means you've got to put something else on. Something has to take its place. We have to be intentional about that. Because if you, if you create a void, something is going to fill that void. That's why we have to be intentional about what we put back on when we decide we're not going to follow these things that don't honor God. We're actually going to honor God with our lives. We're going to take the Word of God and do something with it. And we do that in so many different ways. We do that by, by listening to the Word of God. We do that by reading it. We do that by studying it. We do that by memorizing it. Here's where I'm going to challenge you on that one. How many of you, if I took you right now 
and put you in a car and turned on the radio and put on your favorite song and closed all the doors and rolled up the windows could sing that song, every single note, every single word at the top of your lungs. How many of you could do that right now? What'd you say? Yeah, you're not listening. Yeah, that, that, that's good to know. But <laughs> I ask you that question. Number one, some of you that didn't raise your hand, you're lying. Because I know you sing in the car. I've seen some of you do it. You just don't know because y'all drive around town all the time or you sit out here in the parking lot and do it. Hey, we can do that. You know why? Because we've listened to it. And we've listened to it. And we've listened to it. And we've let it sink in here. And sometimes we listen to the message so far that we let it sink in here. And because of that, we can spit out every word, every single note, at the drop of a hat. Can you do that with the Word of God? Have you spent time in it? Have you taken it and put it here and put it here and put it here until it moves past your head and into your heart and into your life so that you actually live it out? So that when you find yourself in a situation and you've got a choice to make, am I going to go along with what everybody else is doing or am I going to do the hard thing and choose to honor God with my life? When you're having a conversation with a friend who's struggling with something and you have no idea what to say and all of a sudden you find yourself just spitting out a verse of Scripture that applies to that perfect situation. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does when we've got the Word of God in us. He brings it out when we need it. God's Word tells us that He does that. We, we've, got to, we've got to take the Word of God and we've got to put it in our lives. So when he asks that question, why don't you, the question we see right here in this first couple of verses is why don't you just listen? Why don't you hear it? Why don't you let it come in so that you know the Word of God is there? That's the question you need to ask yourself. The second question is this, why don't you just remember? Sometimes we're good at hearing it, but we're not very good at remembering it. Verse 22 says this, but be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let me stop right there. If you can sit in a church service and agree with everything that the pastor's saying, and you may even sit there and nod, shake, mm-hmm, yep, that's right, yep, preach, you may do all of that. And then you walk out the door and it makes absolutely no difference in your life. James is telling us right there, you're lying to yourself. As well as everybody else in the room. He says, deceiving yourselves when you hear the Word of God, but you don't do anything with it. And he goes on in verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. When we hear the Word of God, he's telling us here we have to actually remember it when we learn from it. Have you ever had this experience before? Maybe you've been in your room, you've been doing something, and your parents come to you and say, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to take out the trash. I need you to walk the dog. I need you to clean your room. I need you to do something. Anybody in here ever had that experience? Some of you, your parents never ask you to do anything. We've all had that experience. And you get so busy with what you're already doing, 20, 30 minutes later, 45 minutes later, your parents come back and say, hey, did you take care of that thing? 
and you're like, totally forgot. Didn't even think about it after that. We all have. We've all had that. Again, I, I do that to Miss Kathleen all the time. She'll ask me to do something at home. I'll get busy doing something else. She'll come to me, hey, did you take care of this? I'm like, nope, sorry, I'll go do it right now. Grow out of that habit. I haven't yet. But that happens to all of us. We hear something, but because we're not paying attention, we don't actually do anything with it. What James is saying here is when you hear it, you have to do something with it. Let me throw out a couple examples for you. Show of hands. Be honest here. Have you ever heard a pastor or a teacher or a life group leader talk about this topic from God's Word? If the answer is yes, raise your hand. Honor your father and mother. Okay, you've heard that before. How about this one? Flee from sexual immorality. Okay, yeah, we have talked about that. Jesus' words, love one another as I have loved you. You ever heard that talked about before? All right. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Go into all the world and make disciples. Okay? Some of you remembered those. Some of you did not. Now let's step to the next question. You've heard those things. Have you done all of those things? Honor your father and mother. Don't raise your hands now. Flee from sexual immorality. Love one another as I have loved you. And the list goes on and on and on. We hear it, but do we hear it and walk away like we were never there? Or do we hear it and we actually do something with it? That's what we talked about from the very beginning of this book. That's why this book should come with a warning label. Because James says you've got to take what you say you believe and you've got to actually let it collide with your daily life and make a difference. And yes, that did hurt if you heard that pop. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. But that's what James is talking about right here. And he says if you don't do that, you're like somebody that looks in the mirror and you walk away and you have no idea what you look like. I, I remember my, my daughter Michaela, she's 10 years old right now, when she was 1 year old, if she went by a mirror or we walked her by a mirror or a picture of herself, it would get her attention every single time. And she would see her face and she would try to say her name, which at one years old, it didn't always come out right. Or she would just start going, me, me, me. Because at one years old, she knew what she looked like. And when she saw her own image, she remembered what it was. And, and, and what he's saying right here is that we've got to do the same thing. That's the purpose of a mirror. When you get up, I am willing to bet, I may be wrong with some of you, but I'm willing to bet the way you look when you first roll out of bed in the morning is not how you look when you show up to school. Depends on the day. Like I said, some of you, some of you are like, don't care, here we go. But the whole purpose of a mirror, ladies and gentlemen, hey guys, the whole purpose of a mirror is so that we can look and see if there's things we need to do something about. You look at a mirror, and ladies, you do your makeup. You look at a mirror, guys and ladies, you do your hair. You do all of these things. You, you adjust your clothes. You want to look just right when you walk out the house. But, but if you walk away from that, and as soon as you step out the door, you have no idea what you look like anymore. That, does, that doesn't happen. You remember what you look like. You recognize yourself. 
You know how I know you remember what you look like? Because at some point during the day, you find your way to a bathroom or that mirror in your purse and you pull it out and you're checking to make sure you look the same as you did when you left the house because you want to make sure that doesn't change throughout the day. Some of you, I can only speak for the guys here. I've been with you to camp. I've seen how you roll out of bed in the morning. That is not how you come to breakfast. Ladies, I'm assuming it's the same for you, although there are some guys who are like, breakfast, let's go. And you don't do anything. Ladies, there may be some of you that do that too. I'm not judging. I'm just making an observation. But a mirror is designed to draw us to action. A mirror is designed to show us things that we want to do something about so that we can do something about those things. James is saying that if you look into the Word of God, it's like looking into a mirror. We often want to forget what we see when we look into the Word of God. Because when we actually look into the Word of God, we encounter God Himself. And when we see God, we get a pretty clear image of who we are. And that's why I think we have that habit of we see God's Word, we hear God's Word, but we walk away because when we look and see who God is, that reality shows us who we are and it shows our imperfections. It shows our shortcomings. It shows the areas where we know there's sin in our life and we know we're not honoring God. And let's be honest, none of us like to see that. But, but when we look into the Word of God, we have to take action. That is what God's Word calls us to do. Calls us to understand that we are sinners and we can't change that. We have things every single day in our lives. We are born with a sin nature that goes against the holy, perfect, righteous, just God that He is. And when we look at the Word of God, we see those things about ourselves because we see who God is. And we see that God made a way for us to have a right relationship with Him. We see that despite the sin that we have that's in our nature, God said, I love you and I want to provide a way to forgive you. And He sent His Son Jesus who died on the cross and gave His life for anyone that would put their faith and trust in Him. And He rose from the dead. And He conquered sin and He conquered death. And that's the first thing we have to choose to act on when we look at the Word of God. To know that God wants to forgive us if we will simply turn to Him and say, God, I'm a sinner. And God, I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve separation. But God, You love me anyway. And You sent Your Son for me. And when we see that, when we understand that, now we can start looking at all the other things that we see in Scripture. Now we can move to that last question. Why don't you just listen? Why don't you just remember? Why don't you just do it? It says right here in verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. When you hear the Word of God, why don't you just do it? Why don't you just be obedient? When, when, when Scripture talks about honoring your father and your mother, we've heard it. We know it. But man, we struggle with it sometimes, don't we? When it talks about fleeing from sexual immorality, okay, I know what honors God. I know the choices that I should make. 
But man, sometimes we struggle with those choices. Do I actually do what the Word of God calls me to do? The Word of God is clear on how to live a life that honors God. There's no gray areas in here. It's very clear that what God calls us to do when we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And verse 25 even tells us there, there's a, there's a promise that comes with this. It says when, when we hear the Word of God, when we make a conscious effort to remember it and actually do it, Scripture says you will be blessed in your doing. Now understand this, that does not mean that as soon as you start to obey God, that everything's going to go right in your life from there on out. That is not what that means. Because the way God chooses to bless you may not be the way the rest of the world thinks God blesses people. It may not be with success. It may not be with fame. It may not be with money. It may not be with a great house and a great family. God may bless you in different ways. But it does say when you are obedient to Him that He will bless you. It could mean when you decide to be obedient to God, your life might actually get harder. Because you're not doing all the things that everybody else is doing anymore. You're not talking the same way everybody else is talking. You're not watching or, or listening to all of the same things that everybody else is into anymore. Because you start to realize, wow, that goes against what God's Word says. We talk about sexual immorality, and we're going to talk about that on Sunday night. But we talk about, we think, we think about like, okay, going all the way with somebody. And we forget that it has to do with what we watch on TV. It has to do with the lyrics to songs that we sing. It has to do with all kinds of areas. And we've got to understand that the Word of God speaks into every area of our life. A life that hears the Word of God, remembers the Word of God, and then lives that out, that's a life that honors God. And let me tell you a secret, you're going to struggle with that. And that's okay. It's when we decide, I'm tired of struggling, I'm just going to give in. James is saying, pursue it. You say, well, why don't you just listen? Well, because I was tired and I took a nap in church. Why don't you remember? Remember, I took a nap, so I didn't listen. And why don't you just do it? Because it's too hard to do. Because all my friends are doing something else. Because I really just don't want to change. James is calling us to do some hard things here. He's calling you tonight, if you're a disciple of Jesus, to live a life that is different, to live a life that others will see and wonder, why don't they live that way? What is different about you? How do you do all of that? You take the implanted Word of God. You, you spend time here. You put it in your head. You put it in your heart. You choose to read this instead of scrolling Instagram. You choose to look at what's here instead of every single second either watching or filming a new TikTok video. I'm not saying you can't do any of those things. No, some of those things are, there's some funny stuff out there. But that should not take precedence over this. If you're a disciple of Christ, what is the most important thing in your life? James is calling us not just to hear it. He's calling us to do it. And my question for you tonight is, are you ready and willing to do that? Are you ready to live a life that honors God? Are you ready to take what you hear week after week 
after week or maybe tonight for the first time and not forget it. Remember what you see here. Remember what God shows you about yourself and then do it. So my question for you tonight as we get up, as we sing, is why don't you? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. And God, I thank you that, that your word challenges us every time we open it. And God, I pray, God, I pray for myself. Because I know I struggle with this too. I pray for every person in this room, God. Help us not. Help us not to walk away from your word. And act like we never saw it. Act like we never heard it. Act like it has nothing to do with you're in here tonight and quite honestly you're tired of playing the game you're tired of sitting in church every week and hearing God's word and you're tired of saying yep I'm a Christian and yet you've got areas of your life that you know no don't honor God even if nobody else knows Remember?